I'm just really excited to have you for this interview. You know, we're so excited to talk to you. Yes. Um, celebrate your legendary legacy and talk about your new music. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Y'all been rocking Absolutely. with me a long time. Appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Big yeah. supporters and loving your new single, What I Need, yeah. Give Me What I Need. Thank um, you. You know, tell us about that song a bit because, you know, outstanding vocal performance as always, you know, as we can always expect from you. But tell us about, you know, where that single came about. Gosh, so I wrote this song actually several years ago. Um, was at a time in my life where I was really about to uh, make some major changes. It was before I was divorced. It was before um, my sister died. So a lot mm. of changes that I knew were coming up in my life. And so um, it, it was one of those um, defining moment songs that I wrote um, and kind of leaned on to help me put my big girl panties on and make right. some decisions about life moving forward. I decided to release it now, actually, because as we all know, I was invited last year when BET brought back um, Sunday Best. They put it in the hands of Jesse Collins Entertainment and had Jesse reimagine the show to give it a cleaner, more um, refreshed look, to look more like a lot of the other talent competitions. And he had the idea to bring in um, someone who was gospel savvy, but not a gospel artist. Right. He sit on the judges panel. And uh, when he came to me and asked me to do it, I was excited about doing it. I grew up in the church, um, yeah. preacher parents. And um, so doing it last year, um, it kind of sprung up on me. I put out one gospel album in 2006. And I can't believe yeah. that it's been 15 years since recording it, 14 years since it came out. When I was invited to come back and be a judge for season 10, um, I wanted to have some original music prepared the way the show goes. Once we get to the finale episode, they ask every judge for a performance, which I did last year. But because I didn't have new music to share, I sang a song that I loved by one of the Clark sisters. And so I planned on releasing this song in connection with the finale of, of Sunday Best this year. And of course, all of this happened and everybody was shut down. We've been yeah. distancing. Um, but I made the decision to let the song come out anyway even though we've halted production on the show. We will come back to it and finish it later in the year. But I felt like the timing of it is a really, really, it's just really good timing. It speaks to our hearts. It speaks to a lot of questions that people may have right now. Um, a lot of times we depend on our own intelligence. I don't know how that works out for people. I don't think it's funny, <laughs> but sometimes I haven't made very smart decisions. And so just going back to the foundation of my faith, asking God beyond anything that I could want to give me what I truly need. Um, I think when we have what we really need in life, which is peace of mind, stability, um, the intangible things, it's easier to get what you want when you're in the right place in your mind and right. when you're in the right place in your body. So that's what this song is, in a, is a testament to, me not always having make, made the best decisions and deciding that I don't need to lean on my own intelligence, but to ask God for direction with life. And I think we're all kind of doing that right now. Right. Definitely a powerful record. But what we really want to know is if this is leading up to a new project, because I got to tell you, we've been waiting on volume two of Sing, Pray, Love. If I there know. is a volume two coming. <laughs> so do it's you been remember some time. When Sing, Pray, Love came out, do you remember that was in, uh, gosh, Sing, Pray, Love came out in 2014. And the timing yes. of this is so weird because um, we were leading up to it. We had the single, It's My Time. It's My Time literally went to number two at Adult AC Radio and then got yep. kicked out of the number one spot because Michael Jackson rose from the dead. <laughs> that had a yeah. And so, but if you're going to lose the number one spot, that's who you want to yes. lose to. 
Um, and oddly enough, during that time of year, it was also this time of year. It was close to Easter. And my sister passed on Easter Sunday that year. Oh, wow. And so the timing of it was this, that she passed one Sunday, the following Sunday. And the wow. way I described myself on the promo tour, I was an empty shell following a script. I was doing everything I could not to burst into tears at every interview. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have a proper opportunity to mourn my sister. And so it was a, a beautiful record, but my heart wasn't there. And so um, I feel like this is my real first intentional offering since the Kelly album back in 2011, 2012, and because of the, the circumstances surrounding it. And so, yes, there is more music coming. I have a, a single right now, Unsung, that you can pre-order on Amazon or iTunes. It will be available for download on May the 8th, the Friday before Mother's Day, leading up to a new R&B project. And this is, oh. the, I'm excited about this music because my life has changed so much since the last body of work was presented for the first time in my adult life. Um, I'm a single woman. I am releasing music from that standpoint. I got married at 19 years old to my boyfriend, that, my very first boyfriend. So, um, mm -hmm. because, and I talk about being single in the 21st century. It's an interesting place. Like the DMs are a mystery to me. I'm, I'm, I'm like, what is this? I'm, I'm, I'm new and I was green. And, and so dating in the 21st century after being married for almost a quarter of a century since I was in my teens was a very interesting thing. But I talked about a lot of that in the music um, and just real grown stuff, but from a healthy grown perspective um, and having fun with it, really. So it's still powerful. It's still everything um, you know me to be but it's a very, very different perspective. You know, what's interesting is that what I've found is that a lot of my contemporaries in life are experiencing the same thing, trying to figure out who they are and reinventing mm. who they are now that their children are either out of the house or getting ready to get out of the house and trying to figure out what life looks like when you're not being somebody's mommy or somebody's right. wife. And so um, it's an interesting time of life, but I like it. It's amazing. You know, we're really excited to hear you in this state of mind and really excited to hear this new music. We got to be honest, you know, you're one of the greats in R&B. So you. whenever you come with new music, it's, it's definitely a celebration. I but appreciate that. You just, you just were on this new Wale single, Sue yes. Me. He just released the video yesterday for it. Yes. Epic song, very strong, powerful song. Talk about being on that song. Oh, my God. So this is the true story. It was probably this time last year. Um, when Wale and his camp started reaching out to me to get it done. And I was filming <laughs> and we were trying to make it happen because I wanted to be in the studio with, with him when we did the record, he did his part, but I wanted the experience of having, I love, as we know that the era that I come from with writing and singing, I come from a, an era where collaborations were king. And so mm -hmm. I love being in the studio with other artists when I'm collaborating with them. And months and months were going by, my schedule couldn't match with his. So we ended up deciding that I needed to just go ahead and get it done. Um, for the sake of his timeline, because we couldn't get in the studio at the same time. But he came with both ideas. He loved the song Love Set You Free that I did back in 2000. Oh. Um, and so that's where Set You Free comes from. So from that concept, um, he came up with his own concept about Black men loving themselves, brown yep. men loving themselves. And then Stoomy, he just wanted a powerful sound. It's a powerful message. So he <laughs> felt like he wanted the sound behind it um, to be just as strong as the message that he was sending. Right. So, yeah. And Amazing. I love Wale. He's, he's like, 
he's super soulful in his delivery. It's yeah. almost like he's singing when he raps. Right. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Love that song. Thank you. Now, I want to touch on something that no one ever really seems to give you enough credit for. You know, mm -hmm. everyone knows you're an amazing vocalist, but your writing is, is among the greats, too. You as a writer, a songwriter. Thank you. I mean, it's just one of the best. So tell us about your songwriting process. I mean, how do you come oh, up with songs? I'm going to be honest. It, my, it has grown so much over the years. Um, literally, where I'm at right now, songs kind of sing themselves to me and interrupt my thought patterns. They interrupt my sleep. Wow. I'm, awakened, I'm awakened out of sleep a lot of times because I'll be dreaming of songs. I'll be dreaming that I'm writing a song and wake up <laughs> only to realize that I'm writing it in my sleep. That happens a lot right. now. Um, that's probably the craziest explanation that I can give to you, but a formula um, that I started with, especially when I was doing more hip hop stuff, um, just being a songwriter, period, I think first with the mind of R&B or gospel, because that's, you know, my background. When I first started writing over at Bad Boy, Puff used to tell me all the time, I love your harmonies, I love all of these arrangements, but we trying to make the people dance, and they're not going <laughs> to dance if they're trying to figure out what you're doing. You got all this stuff happening, it's too busy. So that yeah. was my first lesson in learning how to simplify things so that anyone could, could sing it. And right. so that was a very good lesson for me to learn. So what I try to do, some of my ballads are a little more complex and it's because it's just singing no matter what. But when I think about writing things, I try to keep in mind that I'm not just expressing my emotion, but there's somebody out there that's going to listen to what I'm saying and I'm telling their story as well. And they're right. going to want to sing along. So I try to keep that in mind. Even if I get complex inside my bridges or inside my verses, I try to make the choruses as sing-songy as possible so anybody can sing along. And that's right. a formula that I learned early on. There are some pieces, like one uh, that I really, really love. It's probably one of my favorite songs that I've written, even though it's never been a single. Um, and it's, Lord, so I'm going to have a brain fart right now. Um, oh, diamond shine, I am glowing. It's on the Sing, Pray, Love album, actually. Metamorphosis. <laughs> okay. And that's strictly musical. It's, it's jazzy, it's in two for time, um, it's, it's crazy chords. That's strictly a musician's listen, somebody that can appreciate that from a musician standpoint, or if they're a singer, or if they just love jazz, they can appreciate that just being a musical piece where I just allowed my musical mind to go crazy with Shep Crawford. Um, but I love to write. Writing started for me as a kid um, as therapy. Wow. I grew up in the Edgemere Projects in, <laughs> uh, in New York City. And um, I would write when I wanted to get stuff out and I would write whatever I was feeling and then hide the papers from my mom because whatever I was feeling came out on wow. me. <laughs> Sometimes it was words that she didn't necessarily appreciate that I was using, but yeah. it was a way to get out what I was feeling about the state of our life and where we lived and the things that were happening in life at the time. But writing to me has really been, um, I think the greatest, the greatest gift, the greatest blessing. And, the, and it's funny with you bringing it up um, I actually consider myself a writer first. Mm, I tell that to wow. people all the time. And they're like, really? <laughs> yeah, I do. I consider myself a writer before I consider myself a singer. And I have been singing a lot longer, but I can remember the actual day that I decided to write a song on purpose. I had been writing poetry and little notes and that kind <clears> of thing <throat> as a kid. But in second grade, I had a project that the teacher gave us and um, they told us to pick a book 
and they wanted us to find our own way to then tell the story to the class. So instead mm. of me reading the book and getting back up and telling the class the story, um, I read the book and wrote a song about the book and sang the song to the class. Oh, that's special. <laughs> about, about this particular slave girl that I read this book about. And so, um, yeah, so I love to write. I feel like as a writer, I can be anybody that I want to be. There are some things I can't do as an artist because people just can't see me doing it. Like they, they couldn't see me doing a little Kim song, mm -hmm. perhaps, or a Nicki Minaj song, even though I've right. written with Kim and I've, and I've recorded with Kim. But if I took that on as Kelly Price, the artist, my, art, my audience wouldn't understand that coming from me. But when I write per se with a little Kim, or if I write right. for someone else, and, and I've done a lot of writing in hip hop, Jay-Z, Biggie, Mace, The Locks, yeah. all of these guys, Cameron, you know, um, Rakim, I get to be anybody that I want to be when I'm in the writer's room with someone outside of my genre. Right. And so that's what I love about writing. <laughs> that's amazing stuff. I'm glad we were able to talk about that. You know, yeah. definitely a gift to have and have been able to share with us all these years. And I'm glad you mentioned um, Puffy and, and Bad Boy because years ago when we interviewed you, I love the story you shared with us about how you linked up with Stevie J, the producer yeah. originally, and how he yeah. brought you into the camp. Can you revisit that story for everyone listening? I can. So um, I had just gotten off the road with Mariah um, for we were over in Japan for a tour. And all of the money that I made from that Japanese tour, I took it, I rented out a club, pulled all my songs together that I had been writing and sent out all these invitations to a bunch of producers and A&Rs to bring them in. I was trying to sell my songs. And crazy thing is, I'm like, it's a Monday. Everybody should be able to make it. It's not a weekend. No <laughs> things. I have this party and the party is full of like people that I know, but none of the people showed up yeah. that I really wanted to be there. And so that was on a Monday. And Tuesday, the very next day, I got a call. It was from Stevie J. He apologized for not making the party, said that he got caught up in a session and that he couldn't make it out to the party. But he asked me if I could come to the studio so we could sit and have a conversation. He had actually heard about me from his brother, who was a musician in a church in Long Island that I sang at once. It's amazing. <laughs> and so literally, that's how the connection was made came to the studio that night, sat, talked to him, talked about music. He told me about being a preacher's kid. I'm telling him I'm a preacher's kid. He starts playing church music. I start singing. It seemed very organic. Um, and I say seemed, initially it was. So um, at a point, Puff walks in the room and um, he had been standing on the other side of the door listening, actually. He walked <laughs> in the room, just said hello, not much else asked Stevie to step outside the room. And apparently that conversation was, who is that girl? Go back <laughs> in the room and see if you can get her to sing again so I can hear her. Yeah. So he came back in. He doesn't tell me this. He starts playing and he's like, oh, do you remember this song? Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah. He was like, we should just sing a little bit for me. So I start singing. Puff's on the other side of the door. I'm singing. And then I'm literally caught up. Eyes closed. And <laughs> while I'm all the way in this song with my eyes closed, Puffy comes in the room and just stands there and listens to me. And when I open my eyes, he's standing there. Wow. He starts a conversation with me. He was like, that's beautiful. I don't think I've ever heard anything that sounds like that. Do you write too? I said, yes, I write. So he said, come with me. He walks me out of the midi room at daddy's house, walks me into, I want to say the SSL room. There are these four guys mm -hmm. there. There's a session going on. Um, and so he stops the session, he says, and he puts on a raw beat. And he says, so you said you can write. I said, yeah. He said, write something to this. So I'm looking at him, I'm like, <laughs> mm, okay. So I grab a pen and a pad off the table 
and I start to write and he snatches the pen out of my hand and the pad out of my hand and he says, you said you're a writer, write. Mm. So I just started singing everything that came into my head at one time, um, true story. And uh, he introduced me to these guys, told me that they were this new guy group that he had just signed and he brought them up from Atlanta. Uh -huh. That group ended up being 112. Wow. And, um, and he said to me, I would love to do some work with you. Can we exchange numbers? That was on a Wednesday. On Thursday afternoon, I got a call. It was Puff. He <laughs> said, I got a session. I want you to come in. I'm working with this artist from Motown. Can you come in and do some background vocals for me? And when I got there, it was a session for uh, Horace Brown. Wow. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, I want you, babe. That's me. Um, <laughs> and that was the first session that I did for Puffy. And literally, from that day forward, I, I was at Daddy's House Studios every day for about 30 days straight writing wow. on something singing on something it literally started and it just never slowed down and that's that was amazing in 1996. wow yes so so that's an amazing story but i want to hear now how did you get signed officially like when did that come being over at daddy's house so so from going from being a girl that no one wanted to take a risk on um the industry knew about my pen they knew about my voice mm -hmm. but i didn't look like the girls they were signing um, and it, it's kind of always been monkey see, monkey do. If it's a formula that people don't think is going to work, they'll wait until someone else steps out and tries it before they try to do it. And so once the first deal kind of came along, um, it, it, I started getting interest from everywhere. So there was a deal on the table from Jive. There was a deal on the table from MCA. Uh -huh. Puff threw his hat in the ring. Um, and all of these different deals. I, I started negotiating a deal with Jive Records. Um, that ended up, I ended up walking away from the deal because we negotiated the deal for several months. And the day that I was supposed to sign, I was called into a meeting with the head of every department at Jive Records. And when I got there, they wanted to talk to me to let me know that they would not put the record out unless I lost a massive amount of weight. For oh, jeez. And so it was probably the best thing that could have happened for me because I was on my way to my lawyer's office to sign the contract. Mm. And it was a very awkward meeting. I wanted to cry, but I did not put my big girl panties on. And I said to them, if that's what I need to do to make this work, I will. But where I got tripped up is I said to them, well, I've always been a big girl. I come from big people. What if I get to a weight that I'm comfortable with and I'm satisfied with, and you decide that you want me to lose more? Who decides when enough is enough? Right. They said to me, we don't know. And I said, well, if I decide that enough is enough and you don't think it is, do you put the record out? And they said, we don't have an answer for that. Oh. So, I, so I thanked them very kindly. And I grabbed my pocketbook. And I walked out of that meeting and cried all the way to the train station and rode the train back to uh, Long Island. And um, not long after, there was another bidding war that ensued. And again, it became oh. Puffy. It became MCA. It became all of these different people. I met Ronald Isley writing at Daddy's house, writing his single, Floating on Your Love. And when it was time for him to record it, Puffy did not want to cut vocals on him because he felt like he couldn't tell, he couldn't tell Ronald Isley how to sing because he's not right. a singer. So he asked me to stay and produce Ronald Isley's vocals, which I was like, he's a legend. I can't produce him. He's like, <laughs> but you sing and you wrote the song so you can tell him how it goes. That's how I met Ronald Isley. And before the end of that session, he kept saying to me, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm like, I write. I'm a background singer. I travel. He said, you should be making your own music. I said, no, nah, the industry 
doesn't want a girl like me. I'm fine with just being on the road and being a background singer and all of this. And so he said, no, I don't agree with that. We exchanged information. I didn't think it was going to go anywhere, but he kept in touch, mm -hmm. just wanted to be a mentor. So I thought the night before he left for the first night of his tour, he opened up his tour in 1996 in Atlanta at the Olympic Games. And the night before wow. he left, he had a final rehearsal in New York City with his band. He called me and told me that he just fired one of his background singers and he needed another mm. singer. He wanted me to come on the road with him. And I'm like, okay, well, when do you want me to come? He said, tomorrow. And I'm like, I can't do that. I got shorties at home. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't. Long story yeah. short, I'm on a plane the very next day. I get to Atlanta. I arrive at the, at the sound check. I sound check with Ronald Isley and two hours later, I'm on the stage with him doing 24 songs that I'd never sung before. <laughs> it's standing in the background. That was night number one. Night number two, we played the Strand Theater in Boston, Massachusetts after driving all night from Atlanta to uh, Massachusetts. And at the end of the show, he started singing Voyage to Atlantis. And he called Angela Wimbush out and she did a version of Angel and then she did a version of Smile. And when she came back to her microphone, he called me out in front of the audience and he started singing Love Don't Live Here Anymore by Rose Royce. Mm. And he sang the first line of it and he pointed the mic to me and he said, sing. And I looked at him with these wide eyes like, what are you doing? <laughs> and he said, sing. And he stuck the mic in my hand. And so I sang the song. And when I was finished, people are screaming and they're on their feet. And he took the microphone from me and he said, ladies and gentlemen, you just met my new artist, Kelly Price. He didn't oh, ask me wow. to <laughs> That's amazing. I was told that I was going to be an artist. I was not asked. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that story. Thank you for Thank sharing you. all this history. And last Absolutely. last thing, I, I just want to ask you about one more thing, because I know we're almost out of time, but can you yes. just reflect on your classic debut album, Soul of a Woman? Just tell us what you remember about creating that classic. Oh, God, everything. I remember that while I was recording it, because of the situations that I had had with other labels, specifically the Jive one, um, I remember calling Ronald. I remember calling Hiram Hicks, who was the president of Island Black Records, and coming into the office for a meeting. And I'm all teary, and I'm going, "What if the people hate me? What if, what if?" And you know, I can't. I'm too big. I'm too this. And they literally said to me, Kelly, you got to get yourself together. You're representing for uh, a majority of women that don't have anyone to represent them in the world of music or even in entertainment. They need they women like you need women like you to represent them. And so Ronald Isley said to me, Kelly, I don't care if you were 1,200 pounds in blue. If you open up your mouth and sing, if you do for yourself what you've done for me, what you've done for Aretha, what you've done for Brian, Faith, all the artists at 112, he said, you can't be denied. What you have is necessary. And so um, literally, they didn't hear any of the music until the album was done. I A&R'd pretty much my own first album. Wow. Ronald said, go make the record, Kelly, I trust you. And when I brought it back to him, I played the entire album. He said, okay, well, we know friend of mine is the single. We have the record. Let's get it mixed. Like, I literally, they left me to do it myself. They said, you've written for everybody. There's no way you need us to tell you yeah. what to do for you. And so that's literally how it went. I called in favors. True story. I think probably the biggest deal I had on the table was probably $750,000 for my first album. Ronald Isley, as a, as a boutique label, he had $225,000 for me. I, and 25,000 of that was an advance. I made that album with $200,000, unheard of. Uh -huh. 
Wow. All that music, but I was calling in all the favors I could. Like, listen, remember when I came and did that session and you didn't have no money? I need you to help me out. I called Puff. I was like, you can't charge me what you charging everybody else. I need to use the studio. And he did. He gave me the love rate and I was able to lock the studio out. I can't say for how much or he would kill me, yeah. but he really looked out for me. He was mad that I didn't sign with him, but he believed that I was supposed to be out there anyway. And he always said to me, I can't believe that you went and did something with somebody else, but he respected that it was Ronald Isley because he was a legend and he knew that I was in good hands. Right. That's amazing. Thank you so Thank much for you. sharing that. Thank Kelly, you. Kelly, we're just about out of time. Anything you would like to add before we get out of here? Yeah. You know what? Thank you. I love you guys. I can't wait to come back and talk to you about Unsung, the new single. If anybody wants to go get it, you can pre-order it right now on iTunes and Amazon. It is out on all formats on May 8th. Um, the, the song, What I Need, um, is just the most honest giving of my soul that I can about being in a time where direction is needed and you can ask for it. And I think it's just a wonderful offering at this time for the world. Um, but what I really want to say is, is that I love everybody. I want everybody to be safe. I know the world is going through a lot right now. We're all locked in our houses, um, but we're going to come through this. Um, I, I don't know what's going on in my state here in Georgia, but I'm not going outside. I'm not going to the movies. I'm not going to the nail salon. I'm not doing any of that. I know it's hard for people right now, but I want people to know that their lives are, are worth more than any dollar amount. And I would just say this, that even in the hardest of times, you can come back from not having any money. You can't come back from death. And so I just want everybody to be safe because I'm looking forward to a time when we can all be in each other's presence again and I can be on a stage singing for everybody. And that happens, you know, when the world goes back to some semblance of normal. I don't think it'll ever be the same. But right. um, but I just want everybody to be healthy and stay safe. And, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful. I'm almost 30 years in with this. I've been doing this as my job since 1992. And I'm really grateful that people still want to hear what it is that I have to say. And I intend to continue to make music as long as they want to hear it. Amazing. Thank, Thank you so you. much, Kelly. You're Thank a treasure you so to much. us R&B lovers. We really appreciate you and all you I do. appreciate it. Thank and you. And can't wait Thank to hear the new music. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Take care. Be safe. All right. Talk to you soon. Take care. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.